Alright guys, I'm back again. It's been a it's been an amazing week. Let's see, we started off um last Saturday and Sunday, the New England Am, the second annual New England Am went off, man. It was insane. The first day we did the fourteen and under and the fifteen and over, dudes killed it. It was so sick. I lost my voice. Um I seen the craziest tricks go down, man. And uh, so many skateboarders came together at Skater's Edge Skate Park. Uh, we gave out so much cool stuff. And that was only day one. Then that night, Saturday night, we went to No Problemo. And we listened to some, some sick live music from the Black Kennedys. It was so rad, man. Uh, all the homies were there. Gar Narragansett Beer sponsored the event. And, uh, yeah, the Black Kennedys crushed it, dude. Shut No Problemo down. No Problemo Taqueria. New Bedford, Mass. The homie spot. So dope. And then Sunday, we woke up. And second day of the contest, we did the Working Class Hero Jam. That was fucking awesome. Ramsey was out there. John Cummins. Some of the skate shop owners were out there. Just dudes that contribute to skateboard, you know? That aren't really trying to be pro, but still shred. They all got out there, did jams, gave out some, like, Dunkin' Donuts cards with $25 on them. Uh, we gave out some product from Official, Maddox, Richer Poor. We had so many brands hooking it up. It was awesome. And then we moved on to the Skate Shop Invite Contest, and we had 25 skate shops. We had a skate shop come from Florida. Shout out to Dan at Graffiti Skate Zone. They actually won this year. They took top spot. It was insane. They brought some killers, and their teams were on fire. Every, it was insane. We had Dave Pachinski. We had Nick Dompierre. We had Donnie Barley. We had Brandon Westgate. We flew Timmy Knuth out. Those are the judges. Um, legendary pros. Uh, and we had the whole skate park and 25 skate shops came together and brought three riders each and they just destroyed it, dude. There was some of the craziest skateboarding I've ever seen, like, hands down. It was live. It was live. It was so sick. Uh, we did a Gap to Hubba Best Trick to end the day, too. The World Footwear Gap to Hubba Best Trick. We, just, we, we extended the hubba and made it a little taller. It was so gnarly. Dudes were going for broke. We were handing out $50 from bangers. Some dudes left with like 200, over $200 just from landing multiple tricks. That was wild, dude. Switch nose grind was sick. Uh, Kevin Phelps killed it, too. Uh, so many dudes. Serge Murphy. Uh, Decimus. What up, homie? It was so sick. The contest was unbelievable, and my, I'm so hard for my last intro, where you, I sound like an old Clint Eastwood on a, on a porch or something. Like, me and my friend listened to last week's intro, and we laughed so goddamn hard. Uh, it was so ridiculous. But my throat was gone, because I was on the, I was emceeing with Ramsey all weekend, and there was so much hype and so many tricks, I was just screaming, and when I left there, I literally could not talk. It was insane. It's starting to come back. It's like getting there now. Uh, yeah, so that was last week. And then, ch -ch -ch -ch, what else was this week? We did some more stuff. Uh, well, we did this podcast. I'm super excited to share this with you. Uh, legendary Tim Gavin. I mean, the man's been skateboarding and skate culture for so long. He was an epic dude. This was my first time, like, talking to him, sitting down, talking to him. And I've watched him in videos, and I, I know, like, what he's done with, like, brands that he's helped create and build and founded. And, uh... It was sick to be able to sit down with him and just kind of pick his brain and bounce ideas and talk about current skate, uh, you know, culture and whatnot and whatever's going on. Just talk about life. He was very open and honest and 
Um, I'm, I'm, we're definitely gonna do another episode with him. So that's this episode. And then also, oh, I wanted to get, let the new people come into the podcast. I know you guys that have been listening, uh, you've listened to all of them. You know, we have like over 80 episodes, 83, 84 episodes now. And I know you guys, you guys give me feedback and get me so hyped. So you guys, I know you know about All I Need, but I want to tell the new subscribers, uh, about All I Need Skateboards. Uh, you can go to allineedskate.com or allineedapparel.com. And you can check out our website. Um, we got all types of skateboards on there. We got windbreakers. We got uh, hoodies. We got all types of stuff. Some tees on there. Uh, basically, the idea behind the company is all I need is skateboarding. You know? Anyone who really loves skateboarding feels that way. You know, we hang on to skateboarding as we get older. Like, people, like, the world wants to take it away from you. It doesn't want you to be like a child and have something that you enjoy and and then that brings joy and stuff like that for whatever reason i don't know why but it's just like you're told to go get a stuffy job and forget about playing with a silly skateboard but i don't know i can't do that i love skateboarding so much and there's so many people out there that connect to that message and and feel the same way skateboarding help grow them and get them to skateboarding help them to become who they are the person they are right now you know i know for sure it's done it for me and i see how many skate shop owners are out there right now and they they invested their money and everything into having a skate shop, you know what I mean? To sell boards and shoes and, like, sponsor kids and throw events. And these people are doing the same stuff as the pros, you know what I mean? Like, kids who strive to be pro and dedicate their whole life to it. I, I did it, man. I went after it. I, I grew up on the East Coast, and I went to California and got a ride for Tony Hawk's company and traveling. Then I came back East, and I had boards out and shoes and pro model shoes. And uh, it's a trip, man. It's like... It was a great way to see the world, and it, it's amazing, and we have to carry on tradition, you know? There's so many people out there that love skateboarding, and uh, that feel like it's all they need, you know? So that's it. For all the new people listening, check out All I Need Skate on Instagram and Facebook, and yeah, follow and subscribe. That'd be rad. And then, uh, yeah, enjoy my conversation with Tim Gavin. The dude's a legend, and... I'm excited for you guys to hear this, and then I'm excited to get him back in to crush another one of these podcasts. These podcasts have been amazing for me. So much growth. I get to have conversations with epic people that, like, I've only watched in videos. and It's a trip, man. And, and, and I love, like, being honest and upfront with you guys and, like, you know, all the feedback you give me, you know, keeps me going. It makes me want to keep doing this, you know. Uh, just Just you guys let me know. That's it, you know. Leave a comment on iTunes. Uh, the iTunes store, and give me a rating, go on my Instagram, go on the, anything, like, any of it, Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Anthony Shetler, and, uh, leave me some feedback, dude, I, that, it helps, it fires me up, dude, it gets me so hyped to get even more epic guests on, so, I've rambled for seven minutes, and I know, I don't know, maybe some people don't like this, but I like saying this stuff, uh, like, once a week, I get to kind of talk to you guys, and it's tight, dude, and then you get to listen to epic guests, so thank you so much. I owe you guys everything. All I need is skateboarding. I know you feel the same. Peace. This is the Shetland Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. When things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I hope they get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah. Come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. You're in a transitional world right now.
Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know. Sometimes you think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know it happens. It's skateboarding. You know, it happens every day. Yep. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the streets. Yeah, that's so rad, man. I always preach to people about starting podcasts because, I don't know, what we have, these, this day we still have free speech. So it's rad that everyone, if they got a passion or something they're into and they want to share some ideas or something, start up a podcast and just start talking. And people are listening. It's pretty exciting times, man. No, absolutely. Um, are we live or are we recording? Yeah, we're recording right now. Today's guest is Tim Gavin and... I've been really excited to get you on the podcast. I think I reached out a while ago, and then just, you know, both being busy and going back and forth, we fin- finally lined it up. I'm super excited, yeah. man. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, you know what? Thanks for having me. But uh, I remember you hitting me up, and, you know, I like to think that I'm uh, somewhat cool still, and uh, <laughs> everyone has an ego, and I think my ego might have gotten in the way. And I thought to myself, what is a podcast? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. No. Well, we no, got to... Anyways, no, stoked, stoked to do this, and, um, you know, uh, I appreciate you having me on board. I'm popping your podcast cherry right now. <laughs> you feel violated? You are. <laughs> All you right. Are. Um, let's start at the beginning, man. Uh, the first question I usually like to ask is, how did you find your first skateboard? Imagine as a little kid, man, that's probably tough, like, making friends and then leaving your friends and making friends and leaving friends. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I saw, in, in Mesa, Arizona, on that Air Force base, you know, I saw a group of skaters coming down the street, and I was just like, what the fuck, and then, um, you know, I ended up talking to those dudes, and um, I, uh, you know, spending some time with them, I, I started to watch, you know, these the, the PAL videos and seeing Tony Hawk and uh, I was just like what the fuck and uh, I immediately just like was just completely like compelled by it and I was just it blew me away I don't know why I mean I, I can't really go into detail about that but um, yeah my first skateboard to answer the question without giving you too much of a long-winded answer is uh, I got a Volterra meltdown from Kmart. Wow. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and I remember, I mean, even though the board was lame and whack and whatever, it wasn't the PAL board those dudes were riding, it was still rad because it had these big-ass pink wheels and colorful graphics and, um, yeah, I mean, I just all the boards back then just looked so much radder just with the graphics and color and when it, how, it, different so, each, how different each board looked, man. I was stoked on my Voltaire Meltdown, whatever, fuck well, it. Well, I was going to ask you, like, is like a, from a Walmart, was it, like, cheap and generic? Did it pancake out at? Uh, yeah, it was a pile of shit. Um, <laughs> but my dad was, uh, my dad was in the Air Force. He wasn't doing podcasts. He wasn't rich like you. Uh, <laughs> I wish I, I was rich. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to go to a fucking, you know, again, I, I just found skateboarding. I didn't know where to go to a skateboard, or get, go get a skateboard. I didn't know there was fucking skateboard shops. Yeah, that's so a- I just asked my mom, I said, Mom, I want a skateboard, and we went to Kmart. <laughs> and, um, I think they had a blue light special on that Volterra Meltdown, and I picked that fucker right on up. Well, you made the most of it, I'll say that much, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I, uh, I don't know if it pancaked out or any of that, but I guarantee you, uh, it didn't last long, because that thing was a pile of shit. Um, yeah, man. Um, I want to. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, I I want to tell you a little bit about myself too, just so you know. Uh, I grew up in a kind of a similar situation. Uh, just parents weren't really in the picture either, and I found skateboarding kind of the same way, kind of like blessing. I just found it and fell in love with it, and it kind of like took over, and it was a good escape. Did you use skateboarding as an escape from like day to day, or? started this whole thing off, you know, I try to go back and, you know, reflect on, you know, how I got involved in skateboarding, and I don't necessarily do that just, uh, about skateboarding, you know, I just try to, uh, look at myself and, um, you know, take an inventory of what's really going on, because I try to improve as a person on a daily basis. Yes, I love that. Uh, but, but back then, you know... I think I got involved in skateboarding in 1987. I'm 41 today, 2015. Let's do that math. 2015. Uh, I was 13 years old. Damn, I found so, skateboarding the same age. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, my dad worked a lot. My mom, you know, my dad's Irish. My mom's Japanese. Uh, I'm the youngest and only boy of five sisters. Damn. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole, uh, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. That's part two, just on that alone. Um, oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, we lived a normal life. I mean, I don't know if I was trying to escape. I mean, I hated school. Yeah. Um, but I didn't necessarily hate jocks because before skateboarding, that's what I was doing. I was playing football. Hey. Um, I was just hanging out with the dudes in the streets, man. Just, I was a kid. Um, I didn't have an iPad to geek out on Clash of Clans back then, so I was outside, you know what I mean? Got home from school and uh, went outside. Whatever the kids were doing outside, I, I went and did, but I don't think anything serious was going on with me. I didn't think I was trying to hide or get escape uh, from anything in particular with with uh, wanting to skateboard. No, I, I, I honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick yeah this is what i want to do do you remember one of your first pairs of uh skate shoes that you actually bought 
streetwear, buddy. Wow. I, fucking, I uh, I couldn't fucking. I we call them moon boots. I couldn't I couldn't break those things in if you forced me to. I so I got in my mom's car, got in shotgun, and I told her to drive five miles an hour, and I stuck my foot out <laughs> and just had it, dragged it on the ground. The sole of it, the size of it. Uh, try to. My mom was like, "What are you doing?" I just paid whatever she paid for for those brand new shoes. You're fucking them up. Uh, but yeah, they're Vision Streetwear, and they were fucking not made for skateboarding. They were made made for bobbing around on the moon. That's amazing, man. <laughs> that's too good. I've actually yeah. skated some Visions recently. They they made a comeback, and I was on the team for a little bit. Oh yeah, no, I saw that. Uh, I did a little research on you trying to you know, get, uh, ready for this, and, um, I did, I noticed that, it was like last year, wasn't it? Yeah, man, my buddy, Mark, started working there as, like, the brand manager, and he just was like, look, I can get you a paycheck, and it's vision, it has a rich history, like, you know, you're starting at scratch again, and I was like, I mean, let's go, I'm down, sounds cool to me, <laughs> unfortunately, it didn't well, work if out. I can, <laughs> if I can, uh, give you any advice, get in a car, get in shotgun, and just rub those on the <laughs> They've come a long ways, though. I remember mine broke in fairly quickly at that time. Yeah, no, they they had to because those the ones I bought were the, with a big ass red F on the side. Yeah, those things were just yeah. I um put out fires with those things. Yeah, when I when I was younger too, I moved a lot as well. Like my I went back and forth between my parents. I lived in Arizona as well, California, New York, Mass, Florida, you name it. And I just remember it being super tough because. I would move somewhere and I'd make friends and then it was like I was uprooted from that whole shit several times and just off to a new place, you know? And having a father in the army, like you said, did you you moved quite a bit, though? Yeah, well, I moved a lot when I was younger, you know, from Boise, Idaho to Germany to Miami, but we stayed in Mesa uh, in, in the Phoenix area uh, for like seven, eight years before I moved out here on my own when I was 16. Is Mesa where you found skateboarding? Like, that's where you got your first skateboard? Yeah. So, yeah. how did you how did you find out about sponsorships and magazines and the whole industry side of skateboarding? The skateboarding scene in Phoenix was super fucking rad. Um, there was this guy named Dave Boyd. Dave Boyd. What was it? Dave Boydston. Boydston. And he ran contests out there. Uh, I forget what they were called. Innocent, I, I forget what they were called, but he ran contests out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I started to uh, enter contests. You know, this was over time. It wasn't on my Volterra Meltdown and my Vision Streetwork shoes by any means. Thank God. Um, was, yeah, thank God. Uh, this was years later. But, um, yeah, and the dudes in those contests were the rapid skateboarders. Uh, Randy Colvin, Colby Carter... Cody Boat, like the raddest dudes, but, Damn. um, I started to, uh, I guess get pretty decent at skateboarding, and I picked up a shop sponsored called, uh, with a shop called Vans California Days. Wow, no, uh, no affiliation I, with the shoes. Well, I think it was a Vans authorized dealer. Okay. Um, but it wasn't a Vans store, it was called Vans California Days, so... Uh, I got them as a shop sponsor and started entering contests uh, out in Phoenix, which were rad contests. They weren't like lame-ass fucking, you know, janky contests. They were like legit contests. Like Ray Barbie would come out for them, and 
you know, the world industry dudes would come out, like Ron Chapman and those dudes. But, um, you know, I started to win some of those. And then Colby Carter was the first dude who actually, actually, nope, my backup. <laughs> I wrote for Airborne. I wrote for a company called Airborne. No shit. Um, yeah, do you remember that company? I don't, I don't. It's not, it's a funny name, though. <laughs> yeah. This dude, uh, this dude named Jimmy Scott, he fucking used to, uh, uh, roller skate on vert ramps and fucking kill it. Like, do fucking all this crazy shit on his roller skates. Um, <laughs> yes. But if I remember correctly, you know, he's the one who started Airborne, and I got on Airborne. Don't ask me how. I'm fucking, I don't even know what I did yesterday. But I got on Airborne. And, um, you know, started entering contests as a, as a factory sponsor is what they called, they called it back then. And, uh, you know, did well in, in those events. And then Colby Carter, who wrote for H Street, was like, you know, you should write for H Street. I said, fucking sign me up. Damn. Um, so, yeah, I got on H Street and, um, you know, flew out to, um, I don't want to go too far because you're probably going to ask questions that, you know, this answer would pertain to, but. I, uh, I flew out to my first, like, national contest, or whatever you want to call it, in San Diego, and that's where I met Guy and Rudy. Wow. Um, they flew you yeah, out there? Yeah. H-Street flew me out there, yeah. So the industry, yep. at, the industry at that time, I started, like, seriously, when I started paying te- paying attention to skateboarding and the industry and stuff like that, it was when Minik Mahdi and, like, S-Shoes and all that, that's when I, like, started paying attention. So before that... I'm always curious as to, like, what the industry was like. So at that time, they had money to fly you out and do that stuff. Um, God, how old are you? Fucking 24? No, I'm 32. I'm just super oblivious. <laughs> well, if you're 32 and you grew, you, you grew up skateboarding with Minic Money or just started with Minic Money, I'd feel really old. But, um, <laughs> no, skateboarding... Uh, you know, I don't know too much about the business back then. Um, I don't know how much brands had, but, you know, I do remember that uh, I was out at a contest in San Diego once, and uh, I wanted to fly home because I needed to go back to fucking school. Yeah. And uh, those dudes wouldn't fly me home. I'm like, really? How the fuck? I was like 15. I'm like, I need to get the fuck home. <laughs> um, but they wouldn't fly me home. But, um, yeah, I mean... They didn't pay me any money, 8th Street, they didn't pay me any money, they just, I, I, they flew me out for that contest, and, uh, I don't know how that happened, I don't remember asking, or if they offered, or if Colby kind of initiated that whole deal, but, um, or maybe they didn't, I, I swear, dude, like I said, I don't remember, uh, I don't remember those days back then, maybe I paid for it myself, maybe my mom paid for it, Were your parents, um, would you think your parents, they were just like, do you think they are down for that, like you're flying around skateboarding and stuff? My dad wasn't. My dad, uh, you know, I fucking hated school, dude. I seriously hated it. Like, um. Why, 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 why? Because I sucked at it. I, uh, had ADD, and, uh, I had no interest in it. I mean, every year, like, the first day of school, I would go get my trapper keeper. I would go fucking get dialed in. Like, this is going to be the year. I'm going to do good this year, dude. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, but then I find myself drawing, like, mini ramps on paper, fucking, uh, practicing lip tricks on the desk with my fingers. I wasn't paying attention because I fucking hated it. Yeah. Um, and I think back, I think the teachers were mundane in their whole approach to teaching back then. I, I don't know if teachers have gotten better. I certainly hope so because I have kids and they're in public school, but 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I just could not stay in school. I have ADD, too. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are going to realize that by listening to this podcast. But, you know, I have ADD. I have a hard time. Uh, and I hope some kids relate to this because even if you have ADD or if you have uh, a hard time retaining information and whatnot, you can still be successful. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I just um, I couldn't handle school. I, uh, I just didn't vibe with me. Yeah, I kind of, I wasn't really feeling school either. Like I said, I was a ghetto little kid and I'd go to school and I had like real life issues and these kids are like being really petty, arguing over stupid shit like clothes and stuff. So I like, I felt like a disconnect. I'd sit by myself. I was that kid that like was kind of angry and just sat by himself the whole time. I, I graduated high school. Did you make it through high school? Uh, I got my GED. Um... I remember, like, I used to live with Eric Austin, and I remember one day going, you know what, I'm getting my GED, dude. Um, because I always, I always, you know, I love skateboarding. Yeah. But I never, I always wanted to have, I never wanted things to go bad for me to have to make a decision. I wanted to always try to stay ahead of the game somehow, some way. So, you know, um, I was still skateboarding for, for girl when I did this. Um, but I was like, fuck it, I'm getting my GED, and I was like, you know, I kind of coerced Eric, Costin, and Chico, and a couple other dudes to, like, get their GED, so we all, we all studied and got our GED, but, uh, I think Chico failed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I just threw him right under the bus. (laughs) Classic. He doesn't care, he's doing well for himself, but I do remember going, Eric, get your GED, Chico, get your GED, it's fucking cake, it's easy as fuck, it's like open book. Uh, in hindsight, looking back now, like, high school, I'm glad glad I graduated, because it just, it's cool to be able to finish something, you know, like, and getting a GED is finishing it, you know, you you went back, you made the decision to get the GED, and I look at a lot of my friends right now, and they're buried in debt from college, you know, they played it safe, people, yep. people told them yep. to follow this path, teachers told them this would help them get their jobs, and then the whole economy and recession, and dudes are like 40 grand in debt and looking for like a job at uh, Mc- I mean, McDonald's, you know? Yeah. I found skateboarding. I have so many friends that are that surround me that never felt had a passion. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a passion, call it skateboarding, call it fucking poker dealing, call it being a rodeo clown. It doesn't fucking matter. My girl pulled in. If you don't have a passion, <laughs> you're going to go through the traditional upbringing in life, and that is twelve years of school, go to college. Go get a fucking job. And do you know how many people are doing that? A lot. So for you to stand out and, um, you know, really make an impact on whatever you want to do, I mean, it's hard unless you really excel in what you went to school in. For me, I'm so, that's why I'm so grateful for skateboarding because in my early years, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And my dad didn't want me to do it because back in those days, skateboarding was still new. And for him, he was like a hard-working, blue-collar dude, and, you know, he didn't see anything for, for me in skateboarding. Um, but my mom was like, you know, she's like an old, traditional Japanese mom. I was like a mama's boy, so to speak, and, you know, she spoiled me. So she would support me in my skateboarding. She would just charge skateboards on her credit card and 
she would buy me shoes and she would allow me to fly out to Phoenix or uh, to California every weekend for a year when I rode for Blind to stay with Guy and Rudy and Jason and Mark and, Damn. and skate. And, you know, I was 15 years old. But, you know, again, I knew. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want to be a skateboarder. This is what I want to do. I love it. She saw it. She, she saw her son, like, just love something. And how can you tell your kid not to do something when they absolutely love it? Yeah. And um, I don't even think she cared that I was winning contests and shit. She just saw me happy. Yeah, so, that, she's uh, a good mother. She's a good mom. You know, yeah, she is. And, uh, you know, I'm, I have a lot to be grateful for because, um, you know, if I didn't find skateboarding with me hating school, who knows where I would be, dude. Yeah. Um, maybe with that whole GED conversation, maybe I would have went to DeVry or some shit. <laughs> You'd be uh, fixing refrigerators somewhere. Yeah, I, I would have excelled in something else. Um I can't, I, I can't, I can't agree with you more though. I'm on the same wavelength. Like I started a skateboard brand called All I Need, cause like skateboarding, no matter how old I get, I know I always need it in my life. Like I, I, I love skateboarding so much. It's brought so much joy. It's given me like all the tools, and it's given me all my my whole community. It brings you endless joy. It brings us all endless joy. Like we just keep progressing and learning. You know, you might not be jumping down big handrails, but you can still get on your board and like learn new stuff and. I don't know. I love yeah. passing skateboarding on to young kids, too, because I feel like it helps make them think outside the box, and it allows them to feel and experience what they're doing instead of just, you know, studying shit. Yeah, I mean, skateboarding has benefited me in other ways, too, you know. Um, you know, thankfully, I uh, I made a, a name and a career out of it, but by doing that, it it, it gave me confidence as a human being. So um, skateboarding has really... You know, given me my 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 pers my personality, my makeup, who I am as a person is is from skateboarding. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today at 41 if I never got in skateboarding. There's just no way. Oh, I can uh, I can tell you're a product of skateboarding. You you helped create a bunch of brands. You've kind of forged a path, a path uh, that's out of the box, and you, you didn't finish school. And I think that's from skating. It's like you, you learn how to uh, create when you try a trick. You know, you try it and try it, and you fail and fail until you find the right way. And that's problem solving. If we teach little kids how to problem solve at a young age, and they're enjoying doing that on their skateboarding and, and building style and confidence, and it's like that shit can carry you into life and, and help help you forever and ever and ever. Is it? Do you think... Um, how do you get into? How did you get into the business side? We'll go back and talk about all the pro stuff, and I love all that stuff, and I definitely got more questions. But I, I'm super interested in the business side of things too. Like, how did you think about starting a brand, and where did that start? You know, so for me again, you know, I was writing for Girl at the time, and um, you know, I, I hated my goldfish part. I, I did. I uh, that's what I felt like. You know, I, I filmed my Tim and Henry's part. Yep. And, um, you know, those days were the best. You know, it was Brian Lottie, myself, Mark Gonzalez, Guy, Henry Sanchez, Mike Carroll. I felt like we were the ones pro progressing. Yeah. And we were the ones uh, together as a group because we skated together every day. And we were the ones feeding off one another and uh, creating new tricks um, together. But, you know, after Tim and Henry's, you know, uh, switch dance started to really become, uh, you know, the progression. And 
I can't do anything on my left side. I can't do, I can't dribble basketball left-handed. I can't kick left-handed. I'm so not ambidextrous. It's just crazy. So I had a hard time. I had a hard time doing switch and nollie flips and all of that. Matter of fact, I couldn't. Um, I bought some time because uh, I could do switch shoves and, and some 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 switch stuff, but it wasn't getting me by because I put myself uh, on a high pedestal because you know I I I always wanted to be whatever I do. I, I expect the best out of me and. Uh, I want to be great at whatever I do. Yes. Um, and that's come from, from skateboarding. Um, I, I, again, I have that confidence in, in having that mentality because I love skateboarding and I wanted to be great at it. Right. And I felt like I was on some level. Um, so, um, you know, switch stands came around. I hated my goldfish bark. So I went and got my bartending's license, dude. After my GED, I'm like, fuck it. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Uh, I don't know how long skateboarding is going to provide for me, so I got to figure something out, dude. Uh, I'm going to go get my bartending license. I did and the I same thing. I a lot and, and, and so on and so forth. So I'm like, fuck it. Who knows? We No one knows if they're living the right life or not. Uh, yeah. Everyone just knows that they're living the life that they're living today, and that's all that they know. I'm like, Eric, guy, fuckers, listen. <laughs> you, I, I'm going to get my bartending license. And I, I'll become a bartender and a taxi driver, and I'm moving to Hawaii. And who knows? That might even be a better life than you guys are living today. Um, so anyways, I got my bartending license. Uh, fucking did two jobs. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Um, but uh, never pursued that. Uh, from my days of skating for blind, I was always intrigued by Steve Rocco. And uh, I hung out with that dude a lot. And I was mesmerized by his him, his mind, like how he went about business. Yeah. And, um, you know, I felt like, dude, I, I, I could do something like this. And, um, you know, I was living with, um, you know, I was the type of dude too, that wouldn't just hang with skaters. Like I, I would go and hang with whoever, like I bounced around moving from, you know, my first apartment, uh, was with, Chris Pastras, dude, when I was 16. I moved out of my parents' house in Phoenix when I was 16. Wow. Lived out here with Dune, and yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I hung out with a lot of different dudes, man, and uh, I was hanging out with these, I was living with these surfer dudes, three dudes, uh, in Malibu. Um, and uh, their friend had a skateboard shop in, in, in L.A., and I met them, and, you know, it was only Etnies, DC, uh, Airwalk, and maybe one other brand out at the time. And uh, they're like, you know, we want to start a, flavor, uh, a shoe brand. I said, fuck, let's do it. And, um, you know, we started DBS in 1995. And uh, I said, you guys finance it, let me do it. Because these guys really didn't know anybody or anything um, in regards to, like, um, building a brand with the right people. So I looked around me and I said, dude, I have the most talented skateboarding friends in the game right now. Yeah, you did. So I put, I put Day One on, I put Jerron on, I put Sheffy on, I put Richard Mulder on, I put Gabriel Rodriguez on. And I said, dude, ride with me. Let's, I'm doing this footwork brand with these dudes. I'll look out for you. I'll give you a shoe. I'll give you a future. If you guys do what you need to do, we got something. 
So we did it. Chevy got a shoe. Keenan got a shoe. Um, and then, you know, those days back, you know, hanging out with Steve Rocco, I saw that he had a multi-brand strategy. And the reason why he had that is because he had so many of the raddest dudes around him. And you can't put them on one thing. Yeah. So he created multiple brands. So I said, fuck. All right. I don't know how to do shoes. It's been three years with DBS. We've learned how to make shoes now. I don't know how to make clothing, but I'll figure it out. I, I just know I had the raddest dudes around me. What's the name? And this is a dude that is loves skateboarding, got his GED, was a hard worker, uh, was driven, and always stayed ahead of the game. Hmm. So I said, I'm going to start a multi-brand strategy with these dudes. I'm going to have them finance a clothing company, and I want to start a distribution and house multiple brands. So I can involve all of my friends. So I started Maddox Clothing in 1998 and got Mark Johnson on, Day One on, uh, you know, uh, who else was on, you know, Sheffy and everyone else. But, um, so McCrank. So we, we started Maddox and our clothes sucked. <laughs> but again, you know, we had the raddest dudes and um, it was us. It was friends. It was authentic. Yeah, um, you had some of the heaviest people then, in skateboarding on both those teams. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the product got better over time. But, you know, and in 1999, uh, my dear friends Rick and Mike, who always, you know, you know, they, they gave me, you know, that opportunity with Grow and whatnot. And, you know, uh, I just said, look, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I have Devious and Maddox over here. And, you know, I know you're right for DC. And I know you guys don't really love it over there. Let's start our own brand. Me, you, Rick, uh... Uh, me and you, Rick and Mike, and then I'll get my two other partners. Uh, you know, we'll use our infrastructure there, and you guys just design, market it, and put the team together, and it'll be yours, and, you know, it'll be ours, but, you know, it'll be kind of your little, your own little footwear brand, and, um, you know, so we did that, and uh, it was rad. We had three super rad brands, and, you know, my partners that I originally started DBS and Maddox with, they, they had an interest in snowboarding and surfing, like I said, you know, I, I knew a lot of people outside of skateboarding uh, yeah. because I wasn't this narrow-minded dude going, I'm only going to hang with skateboarders. Yeah. Um, I like to, I like to help people. So, again, you know, maybe that's from me hanging out with the football dorks when, uh, before I found skateboarding. But, um, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know what? While we do Lakai, it'll make sense, you guys. We keep Lakai super core skate, which you guys want it, but... I think we should take DBS on a, uh, to a bigger level because my, my partners have a general interest in it. So we put, the, you know, for DBS, we put a snow team together, a surf team together, and, um, you know, it kind of just blew up over time. I wanted to ask you, um, what did DBS stand for? It didn't stand for anything. Um, I just put words together, or letters <laughs> together. <laughs> it's because you didn't graduate high school. You just, <laughs> you just threw Probably. DBS together. <laughs> Probably. I was like, fuck it, that doesn't matter. Well, the only thing that matters is the dudes I'm putting on. That's what matters. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> That's so and the sweet. logo, the dude, the dude, Marty, uh, this dude, Marty Shadone, cool dude, talented guy, but he came up with that logo. I was like, what the fuck is this? Fuck it, let's just go. We gotta move. Yeah. And uh, that was the DVS logo. I don't even know what the DVS logo is. A D, an S, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but it was the logo. I I like I really like Lakai as well, man. You guys gave me shoes when I was riding for Birdhouse. Kelly Bird hooked me up, and then just recently, until he left Lakai, he was giving me shoes as well. And I always really liked uh, Lakai shoes a lot. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, Kelly Bird's a good guy. It's really, that dude is uh, probably one of the smartest guys in skateboarding. Um, wow. You know, I hate to see him leave Lakai and, you know, um, because we're all friends. However, you know what? Um, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy what's going on right now. But we're all older. And, uh, you know, everyone seems to be making decisions that behoove them as uh, individuals today in their life. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard, but, uh, you know, every single one of us have to take care of ourselves because no one else is going to take care of us for us. For us or, or, no one's going to take care of us for us. Yeah, so. yeah. I learned that lesson at a young age, man. Uh, my father passed away when I was 12, and my mom pretty much struggled with drugs my whole life. So at 13, when my well, my father passed away when I was 12, right at 13, I turned 13, found my skateboard, uh, met this kid, fell in love with skating, and like latched on to skating. And and like I realized that lesson what you're just talking about right there. Like you're kind of on your own in this world, you know. Like I lost my father, and I was like, damn. Like like I realized that time is you could be gone, you know. Like you might not have tomorrow scared me at a young age so i did same thing as you like headstrong right at being a pro skateboarder like I'm, we're gonna do it let's go for it let's don't listen to anyone else and just do it you know i everyone tell you to go to school do this do that blah 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 and i was like no i'm just gonna follow this thing that is awesome and enriches my life and i don't care if it anything ever comes from it we'll see what happens you know i applaud you for doing yeah. that as well well, you know what, I, you know, doing this interview, I, I, uh, I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, my, uh, my parents enabled me to, 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 to pursue skateboarding the way I did because, you know, if I, my mom was very, you know, again, she, she's a traditional Japanese woman and she was very like, she, there's really not much discipline and, um, you know, I was just fucking this bratty ass kid and my dad was gone. He was working his ass off. So. You know, I think if I would have had two parents that were very uh, strict and structured and, uh, you know, uh, were focused on discipline and, and you know, had money to, to push me to uh, uh, a certain education and whatnot, I don't think I would have been able to skateboard. I think I would have been too inundated with uh, the other shit. Yeah. Um, but since I did have the parents that I did, I mean... It completely enabled me to pursue skateboarding the way I did. Um, I want to ask you about since you're in since you started a brand. Uh, when did you start Filament Brand? Um, 2014. We uh, we shipped our first season. Since you're in the shoe game right now, how do you feel about what's going on in skateboarding? I, I I'm kind of curious as to I asked a lot of people on my podcast about that. It seems like there's a lot of mainstream money coming in, and it seems like a battle going back and forth, but I'm not really sure. How, how do you see what's going on with uh, outside money coming in skateboarding? Uh, man, that's like a loaded question, because I don't want to sound like a bitter dude by any means. Um, yeah, no, 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 definitely. No, I, I don't, listen, I don't mind it. Um, you know, I don't own this, I don't own this industry. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful to be a, uh, a player in the industry with a, with having a brand. Um, all I can do is look at myself and all I can do is look at my brand. And, um, all I can do is try to make the best product I can do. I can't look at anyone else and mm. I can't look at what they're doing and who they're putting on. And, uh, because either I'll get jealous, envious, or I don't know what I'll feel, but, um, <laughs> 
you know, if I do that, then I'm not focused on what I need to focus on, and that's my own business. Um, you know, do I compete with Nike? I don't think I do. I can't compete with Nike money. You know, if Nike's going to pay Nigel, I heard, some $18 million contract after his DC contract expires this month, fuck, that's, that's another level. I, I, I don't play in that world. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to put on other dudes and give them that much money, well, great for them. They're going to kill it, fuck. Uh, I would think, but I also think skaters are savvy, dude. And, uh... Fuck yeah. You know, you know skaters are savvy, dude. And, uh, one... I know skateboarders are trendsetters, and they don't want to wear what every fucking dude is wearing. And I know a lot of those companies with outside money, uh, whatever, however you want to classify them or identify them, we know who those brands are. Those brands are sold everywhere. So I'm at the fucking DMV, and I see fucking random-ass dudes wearing Janowskis. I see random-ass dudes wearing Boostins. I mean, it's fucking crazy, and skaters are hip to it. Yeah. And I don't think skaters are going to want to be that dude that's wearing the same shoe as that fucking tool is wearing. There's no fucking way. Skaters are too cool. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to end, and I can't wait um, for them to, for, for skaters to go, yeah, I'm over Nike, aware of filament. All I can do, because I'm a big proponent of product, I think product prevails in any market, and I can't compete with what Nike has capability of doing in regards to product, but um, I like what I like, and... Um, you know, I think I have a good sense of, of style, and I have a, 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 a pretty good taste of of what's going on. Yeah, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly about all of that. I, I feel exactly the same way. I, I started... And, uh, you know, with that being said, I wasn't happy with, um, you know, our first few seasons of shoes, so I, uh, I, I've changed designers, and, uh, you know, we, we're heading in a new direction, but uh, all I can do is focus on filling it, man, and uh, I'm stoked with what we're doing, and I'm stoked on the, uh, the support the retailers have given me. That's awesome, man. I, I, I think that's awesome. And I think skateboarders are smart and savvy and out, think outside the box, hence the reason why I do the podcast, too, because... It's rad to be able to just directly talk to like your consumers or people that are interested in the brand and and when you start a small brand and you're growing you, you especially you started it you're the heartbeat of it you can voice it and the podcast can go out and it's like for Nike to do that it would ha- they'd have to go to like whoever owns Nike and how are they going to talk about the blood sweat and tears of skateboarding they'd have to hire someone to like tell their story you know with what you got, yeah. you're doing right now, it's literally, you know, you just told us about how you grew up skating, fell in love with skating, and traveled with skating with your friends. You just told us why you started all these brands because you were surrounded by the best skateboarders that were your friends. Like, that right there goes out to the people. They hear that, and I think they want to support that because that's real and genuine, and you're not afraid to voice it and talk about it, you know? Whereas, like, and nothing against Nike. I think skateboarding should be for everyone. I agree 100%. Like, it's for the jocks. It's for the nerds. It's for whoever, you know? Like, and same with the skateboard industry. Whoever wants to, like, invest in it, cool. Just make sure you invest in skateboarders as well, you know? Absolutely. 100%. That's, I agree with that. Yeah, because I, um, I don't mind that either. I don't mind when people get hooked up and get a great check. The people that have dedicated their whole lives to it, and they get support, and maybe even get a retire. Like, I don't know, maybe Costin gets to retire. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, listen, that was that was a tough one, because uh, when I owned Lakai, uh, look, Eric was, Eric's my best friend, you know? Um, yeah. I was supposed to be his best man uh, at his wedding, but I couldn't do it because my, my wife had a baby, but... Um, you know, I got Eric on Lakai. Uh, he quit S to get on Lakai. We gave him ownership. And, you know, um, 
it was hard. You yeah. know, it was hard because Eric ended up leaving Lakai and, and giving us back his equity uh, to go out as a free agent. And, uh, you know, and it, it was a tough time for me and Eric as, as friends. Uh, we're good today because uh, a good friendship will last beyond business. But, um, you know, that was, that was tough, dude. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm happy for Eric today because he has a family. His family seems to be taken care of. And, and he has a good thing with Nike. And, uh, you know, Nike seems to be taking care of Eric. So they have, they have something that works for one another there. And uh, that's, I'm happy for Eric. But, um, you know, back to me. Um, all, <laughs> I can, all I can think of is, is filling it, you know. And and I, I'm not using this podcast as a promotional platform for, for me or for filling it. But, um, you know, the the industry is, is, is ours. And it's a, it's a brotherhood, right? You know, there's a black dude skating down the street with an Asian dude, a Mexican dude, and a white dude. And, uh, you know, you don't really see that often in, in other things. And um, that's what's super rad about skateboarding. It's just kids and uh, it doesn't matter who you are if you're down for skating you're you're all about it um and that's the industry you know we're all just a bunch of skateboarders and um you know what do we know well all we know is skateboarding what's cool and what makes it cool and and so on and so forth so um you know the support that i've gotten from retailers from media companies everybody going gab we got you we won't fill them into work we think it's rad that you're doing something like this um you know, we need filament to work because we can't survive with just corporate footwear brands because they're bullying us around. They're telling us we can't sell online anymore. We only want three SKUs of, of, of Nike, but they're telling us we got to buy 10. I can't afford to do that. We need a new footwear brand to work. And we got you. We want you to, we, we support you. We want this thing to work. We need it to work. Yeah, that's sick. That makes me, that, that makes me emotional. That makes me love skateboarding again. That makes me love this industry again. Regardless that it's a little quote-unquote weird, that it's a little quote-unquote... You know what? At the end of the day, it's weird or this or that because of us. Yes. Everyone's got to have a, a sense of accountability. You know, we got to be accountable. Were we doing cool and exciting shit in 2006, 2007? No, we got complacent. Yeah. It got too easy for everyone. You could put fucking your logo on dog shit and dudes would buy it because there was no competition on the outside. Yeah. Competition is only good because it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, there's a price point fucking element to that, but yeah. you know, competition is only good because it challenges you and it keeps your you know, it keeps your uh, your eye on the ball. And you know, I think in two thousand six and two thousand seven, right before these corporate brands penetrated the uh, the industry you know, the brands were just complacent. They were just fucking cruising. Yeah. And, um, you know, the industry lost that excitement. And um, here we are today. I, and uh, who, could, who can we blame? Well, we can only blame ourselves. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I, li I like how you said that, Tim. Um, I agree. It's like, whenever I hear someone complain about the skateboard industry sucking, I get bummed out because I'm like, we are the industry, what you were saying earlier. So that means we're sucking. Because, like, we're the skateboarders. We have the stories. We should be starting the brands. We should be inspiring the young, the next generation to be hyped on skating because we're authentic and real and doing awesome shit and shaking shit up. Like, what it was, what skateboarding was, was forged off of, you know? And, uh. Yeah, it, I mean, the, 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 the excuse with that is that, yeah, but we can't compete with Mark, 
Nike's marketing budget. You can't compete. Well, I understand that. I can't. I certainly can't compete with Nike's budget. I can't pay uh, Moose eighteen million dollars today. Uh, I would love to uh, to pay Moose a ton of money because Moose is a fucking hardworking dude that rips at skateboarding, that absolutely loves skateboarding, that comes from a tough background. Would I love to be the one to give him that? financial security to say, dude, don't worry about anything, just skate. Hell yeah, I would, but I can't. But all I can do is challenge myself and try to be more creative than Nike. Yeah. Um, and it's not easy, but, I mean, listen, all I can do is, uh, like I said, I'm a big proponent of product. Um, you know, I, I understand the game right now, and um, I'm playing in it, and, um, you know, I just... Yeah, and we de we definitely need we need small brands like yours that are skater owned, skater run, and we need you guys to succeed to balance everything out. And uh, you know, hence the reason why I started my board brand. It was kind of like you know I want to balance it out. More skater owned, skater run people doing it, inspiring the next generation of kids. Like I, I you know what I always it's get. It's hard though. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard though. It's hard. It's hard. The message is clear. The message is there. However, it's hard for kids to. Uh, you know, skaters are cool, and they're just like, yeah, go fuck your little fucking small company. I'm wearing this. Yeah. That's rad. Fuck it. But, um, you know, there is a there is a, uh, an importance to it, you know, because if not, what is going to be our industry in three or four years? Is it just going to be Nikes, Adidas, Converse, and Vans? Uh, and is it going to be the only places you can go to buy shoes is Zoomies, Tillies, and fucking some other mall account, Pacific Sunwear? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. So there is a healthy uh, element or, uh, or outlook to the industry, and that is core brands and core retailers. Because without them, the lifeblood of our industry is gone. It's gone completely corporate, and skateboarding is going to lose its core value and lose its culture. And that is what's going. That that is potentially what could happen. Yeah. If you because if if the core guys are are saying. Because the demand is there, I need to sell this stuff because it's quote unquote what keeps the lights on. Yeah. You know, I, I get that. However, if they buy all these brands and then they're forced to buy all this other shit that they don't need, and, you know, it could put these guys out of business. These guys are small guys. And, um, you know, does Nike care that they're out of business? No. They don't give a shit. You know why? Because they're just going to open up some other corporate place. Yeah. Some other corporate retailer. That is going to quickly take Nike. They don't care. It is a, it's a savage way of, of business thinking. And, um, you know, kids don't think on that level. Yeah. So, you know, do, do kids need to buy into and support skater-owned over brands? 100%. But are they? I don't know. It's the same thing as, like, philanthropy. Do we need to support, you know, it's October, breast cancer awareness. Do I, have I put money towards a breast cancer uh, awareness foundation yet? No, I haven't. Yeah. But do I know what it would do to raise awareness? And hell yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, we we all know how important it is. We all know what it would do. But uh, kids, kids are just gonna do what they're gonna do, man. And uh, it's up to the brand, like I said, to create demand and great product. Period. Yeah, nailed it. I I actually have a little story about a shop owner. I know he has a shop and. uh 
he got an account with one of these massive shoe, you know, uh, brands that came into skateboarding, and they, like, to get the shoes in the store, he had to buy so much product to the point where he couldn't even sell it all. It, like, almost, it put his shop in jeopardy. Like, he just dug himself out of a hole of debt that took years to, like, get out of. And he, he was just trapped yep. in this, he was trapped in the shitty situation where his whole community, his whole community of skateboarders, yeah. they were about to lose their only core skate shop that threw events and sponsored kids and yep. created the hype, there you know? You I mean, I, again, you know, this is the, this is Tim Gavin, the skateboarder who loves skateboarding talking. I'm not wearing my business hat. Yeah. Um, but that's, you're right. That's one example of what I just previously, previously mentioned. Um, yeah. And that's a scary thing, you know, because I talk to retailers across the world and they all have a general consensus amongst their outlook on what is going on. And it's scary because um, it's happening. There's a retailer going out of business as we speak. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can attribute that to a myriad of things. I don't know. I mean, it, it's for business management. Is it? Poor product buying? Is it not enough marketing? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's a scary thought. Yeah. All right, moving forward a little bit. I want to talk more about your brand, Filament, and the team. Have you guys done any trips uh, since you started? You know, it's... it's it, you know, when I, when I started DVS Max and Lakai, we had a lot of money behind us. Um, you know, Filament's been a little more authentic. It's been a little more uh, mean, mean some bros. Um, you know, getting the first delivery out there, which was fall 2014, um, I didn't like the product. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to be honest, and uh, I think it could have been a lot better. So, um, you know, I, I have a new designer on board. The product that's coming out is awesome, and uh, we're really focusing a lot on uh, price, aesthetic, and um, technology and performance. You know, a lot of shoe brands out there. Simple things, you know, they don't have a strobo board in their in their shoes. What is a strobo board? Well, it's foam in between your your outsole and your insole. And a lot of brands just have cardboard right there. It's just super cheap. And uh, you know, so we were we were priced a little higher. Um, and the reason why is we we put a lot more focus on the the development of our shoes. And uh, you know, we still have that same development today. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to try to force a square peg in a round hole. If the kids only want to spend this much, then I'll lose the money on it. Yeah. Let's keep the, let's keep the product quality, but let's lower the price. We don't need to get rich today off of this. You know what I mean? We're trying to make a rad product for skateboarding, and you know we're we're not just a skateboard brand. You know what I mean? We're, we're I'm a footwear brand. Um, you know I make I make footwear for uh, you know skateboarders and. Um, you know, I don't skate every day, so I want to wear shoes that look cool and that feel good. So, um, you know, development or, or, or quality and, and technology and, and all of that is, is important to me today. But, um, you know, we um, we don't have a ton of money behind us. You know, we don't have millions of dollars behind us like some of these other brands. So um, we haven't been able to do much in marketing yet, but, um, you know, with the little amount of money I have, uh, I did want to go and, and support skaters, um, obviously. Um, dudes that I felt were, were young, uh, rather than going to try to steal a bro off, 
a branded company that I was friendly with, like Lakai or somebody, yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I, I wanted to just get young kids that I thought were super talented that deserved an opportunity. Ben Nordberg, Moose, um, Jake Ruiz, who fucking rips. You know, he has a couple tricks in brew and brew. He's been hurt. But, um, you know, dudes like that, man, that, that, that are just young that, you know, have never get, had an opportunity. Like, I wanted Filament to be that platform. So yeah. I really want to get a lot of young dudes on the team and, and have them grow with the brand. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I saw, um, speaking of brands and all that, like, when I started All I Need, it was in the recession, you know? We come out of the recession, and then we have all these, like, um, free marketing tools, all the social media tools, the the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and the numbers are like infinite. If you keep going, you keep growing your brand. You're growing with this technology. Everyone's kind of catching on, you know. Uh, do you guys rely on social media a lot? A hundred percent. Social yeah. media is any entrepreneur's just dream. I mean, you know, today we have forty nine thousand followers, uh, and I look at that as you know forty nine thousand kids that I can that I can talk to. Yeah. Um, Social media is is awesome, but you know it's not the only thing. You know what I mean? Um, but it's it's definitely helpful. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, do you hook Billy Marks up with shoes? Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. I fucking love Billy. <laughs> he. Yeah, I mean Billy's another dude. You know, um, you know he's an older dude, but you know Billy's somebody that I've known forever that rips and you know fallen went through its its deal and. Um, you know, Billy reached out, and I, we had a rad conversation. And I just said, look, Billy, I mean, I know how good you are on a skateboard. And, you know, he, he basically told me just what he wanted to do, and, you know, he just needed the support. And I said, dude, listen, you're too good not to have support, man. And, um, you know, if dudes are overlooking you because of this, that, and the other, then I, I know what you can do. And I hear it in your voice how much you love skateboarding. You just focus on skateboarding. Uh, I'll give you shoes and uh, everything else will work itself out. And we're actually designing uh, a Billy Marks Pro model right now. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. I, I used yeah. to skate for Split Apparel with Billy. We went on a bunch of trips. Uh, he's my homie. And he is definitely one of those dudes that like just can skateboard and do every trick. Like He's one of those dudes that just have it. I don't know how to describe it. Like I was never that dude. I always had to work really hard for my tricks and like... But there's some dudes out there that can just, you know that they have no ceiling on how good they can get. And he's one of those dudes. So he's a good dude to have on the team. <laughs> yeah, and dude, I like him because he's got personality, his personality's rad. Like he's, you know, doing all that Billy's ball shit back in the day. He's just, he's a rad dude, man. I, he's, uh, I like him. So. Yeah, he's a great gambler yeah. too. I've lost a lot of money to Billy and I've taken a lot of his money as well. He's good at gambling. <laughs> Well, if you took some of his money, it doesn't sound that good. <laughs> well, he just doesn't stop. He gambles and gambles and gambles and gambles. So if you're just willing well, to they, stick they, it out. He's not a good gambler because uh, if you're a compulsive gambler, you uh, you can't be a good gambler because you're just chasing the dream, baby. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I should rephrase it. He, he just likes gambling a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was with him one time and he fucking bought like $400 in hockey cards. Like, you know, like baseball cards? He went to the fucking yeah. store and he had 400 bucks and he like bought so many packages of ho hockey cards. He'd rip them open 
and he would look through like 15 cards and he'd pull out one, put it down, throw the rest on the ground in his car, and then he'd start ripping them all open. And he bought, he spent 400 bucks to get like three cards. And he's like, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I'm like, what the, yeah. f- the fuck is going on with this? <laughs> he's a true, he's a true skater. Yeah. A- skaters do dumb shit like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that guy. Um, okay, let's jump back a little bit. I want to go back in the thick of it, like, being in, in Southern California, when you were coming up skating and all these dudes and stuff, it seems so crazy to me, because I was watching you guys on the East Coast in videos and magazines and stuff, but you're actually in the thick of it. What was that like? Is it, was it, did you just see all the amazing skating? It must trip you out to think about what you are part of there. Yeah, no, it, uh... You guys are, I'm sorry, let me, let it me just... It doesn't really trip me out because I was in it. I wasn't yeah. on the outside looking in it going, fuck, I wish I could be in it. I was in it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it's all I know. That's the only perspective I have on it. However, um, I'm super fucking st- blessed to be a part of it because, you know, it, writing for blind, the, that era was the best era of my life. Writing for blind, living with Guy at his mom's house. Wow. Skating with those dudes on a daily basis. I think skateboarding was at the raddest place, um, you know, in regards to tricks. Yeah. Um, I think the brands at that time that were out were super rad. Uh, I think the culture of skateboarding wasn't, you know, wasn't so driven by money at that time. And it, it just, it had a radder feel to it. And, um, I think a lot that has to do with it was my age. You know, I was, I was eight, 17 or 18 living out in California, Los Angeles and, uh, by myself doing it, Damn. you know, doing what I love and, um, having a blast doing it. I mean, dude, sign any kid up for that. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? So, <laughs> I mean, it, my life just happens to involve skateboarding, but regardless, I was able to do what I love, and uh, I used to do it with the best of them, and uh, I did it in L.A. It was, uh, it was rad. It's, I loved it. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys' effort, man, because I, like I said, I just would be in my basement or wherever with my friends at my friend's house watching these videos, and we can't skate for months because there's no indoor skate park, and we're just fucking stuck, and we're watching you guys shred and kill it and put out all this media and stuff really inspired us to do it out here as well you know um underground garages buddy we skated underground garages here that's awesome so awesome i'm always jealous we always be like those fuckers have nice weather all the time <laughs> the bastards <laughs> yeah well it's all it's all relative you know for yeah. our winters here it gets down to 55 60 degrees and we're complaining about how cold that is so we wouldn't skate yeah yeah um i wanted to ask you you have kids i do uh they're the best thing ever. How, um, how many? You know, uh, two. I have an eight-year-old son named Mason, and uh, uh, my daughter Sienna is six years old. And um, damn sick. It's yeah. It's you know what? You know, I, I hate to put words or, or my foot in my mouth, but you know that blind era was the best era for me in skateboarding. But you know. The life that I'm living today, which involves having kids, is the best life ever. I used to pray to God because I used to party a lot. And um, <laughs> I used to party to where there'd be nights where I didn't know if I was going to make it. But, you know, I used to pray to God and say, God, just 
allow me a day to have kids. That's it. And, uh, you know, it's hard to live in gratitude because now that I have kids, I'm praying for other things. But, um, uh, but, uh, I have kids today, dude, and it's the best, dude. I, um, you know, anything, anything that I was deprived of from my parents, uh, you know, I, I think I'm, uh, aware of that subconsciously, consciously, I don't know, and I'm able to provide that for my kids. And, you know, am I the best parent? Probably not, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm aware of what is the most important thing, and, and that's unconditional love, and I'm I'm always providing that. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. I, I like I love that, man. I, I think about that a lot as I get older too, about kids. And me and my lady, we're not planning on having kids, you know, at the moment. We haven't really thought about it too much, but uh, I always think it's pretty rad. Cause like like I told you earlier, I lost my father, so I think it'd be a trippy perspective to be a father. Seems like a really um, rad position to try to fill and live up to it's sick man well if i can give you if i can give you any advice uh parenting is a blessing and it's a gift you know i i have friends that have a hard time having kids and um um it's it's the best yeah it's the best yeah that's awesome man and that's cool you got a daughter and a son you got you get you get both sides right there man yeah, but, you know, some days I feel for my son, and uh, I could probably say this for my sister, or my daughter, but, you know, I grew up with five sisters, and I used to tell my mom, because I was that bratty kid, I was like, fucking, mom, adopt me a brother. I can't stand this shit. I need a brother. Um, I couldn't stand not having a bro- brother. Um, so there's some days where I'm like, man, I think my son could use a brother, or there's some days where I, I listen, I would love to have five kids, man, um, but... That's not easy either. Uh, but there, there are days where I, me and my wife talk about having more kids. Are you, if this is too personal, I don't think it is, but if it is, are you religious at all? Uh, I'm spiritual. Um, you know, I'm um, I'm part of a 12-step program today that uh, has a religious element to it. But, um, you know, my wife's Jewish and her family is really close. And, um, you know, we're raising my kids Jewish. Um Wow. But, um, you know, I believe in God. Um, uh, having a uh, spiritual principle in, in life gives you, uh, uh, I, I believe in living a spiritual life. There's just no question. Um, if I live a life that revolves around um, Tim Gavin only, then um, I'm never satisfied because Tim Gavin wants too much. But um, if I can just, you know, turn my will and my life over to the care of God and, um, you know, just rely on him to make decisions for me, then I'm okay. And, um, you know, I, I try to live in gratitude on a daily basis, you know. Um, it takes so much practice. And it does. It does. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it does take a certain discipline, but, you know, it's been a couple years for me and, um, I feel better today than I ever have. You know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm not chasing what I don't have, and uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not dissatisfied today because I don't have certain things that I, I I want that might involve a material possession or whatever. I mean, again, you know, I, I'm aware of what is important to me, and that's family, and I have a family, um, and that's that's the most meaningful thing for me is is, is that. 
Yeah, so. if you if you go after just chasing points and money and stuff like that, it's that that just is like a never-ending game. Like the reason why you should ha be motivated shouldn't be for points and numbers and to compete. No, it should be an well, eternal not, fire. Not only, not only is it never-ending, it's not fulfilling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, someone's always gonna have more than you, no matter what, and you're just gonna be you're always gonna be looking well, at that. I, 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 but I don't, you know, I don't care if people have more than me. I don't care that Nike has a bigger marketing budget than me. I, I truly don't. I don't care that dudes drive a yellow Lamborghini. I, I fuck, would I want a yellow Lamborghini? Hell no. <laughs> but what what is important for me is um, helping other people. Yes. Uh, and as it pertains to business, helping somebody like Moose. I mean, um, but for me, I think it's just getting out of myself, getting out of Tim Gavin, and uh, quit being so self-centered and, and, and um, you know, reaching out to other people and, and that's what really gives me a satisfaction that is beyond any material possession you know if there's somebody in need that I can help um, you know that fulfillment is is is, is large it's, it's a big it's big yeah so, that's how you create uh, real change you can help someone that's like the way to make real change is to help someone else and they'll help you as well you'll have a community I love that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I grew up in the projects, and it's uh, they kind of have the crabs in the barrel mentality in the projects. At least when I was there, and it's a bunch of dudes, and they're all angry and girls, and they're all angry and pissed off because of the cards they were dealt. And and then when one person tries to leave, they kind of pull them back into the whole bullshit or tear them down. You know, where if we just helped each other, maybe that one crab would get out and like throw a rope down and help everybody out. You know what I mean? But so I like hearing that. I like hearing that uh, there's other people out there that are in, you know, into helping people. I do a lot of that stuff with my skateboard brand as well. I sponsored. I, I have a team, and we we went to California for two weeks. I took these guys there for the first time. I made my homie Billy put his feet in the ocean on the other side of the country. Um, I took one of my team riders skydiving, and when we landed, we I had his family and friends come up and give him his first pro board. We filmed the whole thing, like. It was fucking amazing. And, 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 like, I didn't make any money off of any of this. I just took the money we made from selling skateboards and put it into sick shit like that that makes a difference and people could care about and that is actually rewarding, you know? And, uh... 100%. It's right. Uh, yeah, those are, those are quality memories to have. Yeah, and it, it, in talking to you, Tim, honestly, I, you got me so hyped. Because, like, I don't know. I feel I feel like the same mentality as you as well. I feel like it's good to know there's other people out there that are hyped and doing it and starting it up and staying inspired and just saying, fuck it, the money will come, it doesn't matter when, I'm just going to work towards something and enjoy it and it'll take us where it takes us, you know? Because it, it, literally, if you look at the paper and they go, hey, Tim, here's the stats on starting a shoe brand and who you're competing against, the, anyone who's sane might be like, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I think I just called you crazy. <laughs> I mean that with all respect, though. No, no, I hear that. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, if I, who knows? Maybe I am crazy. I don't even know what crazy means. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it is what it is, man. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just like you. I mean, I'm, I have fear. I have, uh, I have, emo I, I'm, we're all the same, man. Every, everybody is just the same. You know what I mean? We, yeah. We're all wired the same in, in some regard. It's, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're the same dude, man. 
That's right. It's fucking right. And then it, it, um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast for real, man. And uh, it's just been a pleasure, man. And uh, anytime you want. Oh, right now? Like, it's not live, so I put it out. I know, but how many many dudes, uh, can you track that on podcasts? Yeah, uh, on average, um, the first four days of every episode gets around 4,000 downloads, and this is, like, worldwide. Like, last month I had, for whatever reason, Zared's Zared's episode must have got shared in Brazil, and I had, like, 12,000 downloads in two days from Brazil. I was like... Someone must have shared it on a website, and then there people are listening. It, it trips me out. It's all over the world, and in countries I can't even pronounce. And there's like downloads from there. I think every everyone all over the world they can speak English, you know, in these other countries. <laughs> They're not like us where we only have one language. And they all love skating. They all love stories about skateboarding. They love to hear the heartbeat from brand owners like you and myself, and and legends, and and like Muska and Omar Johnson. Like, and I think it's um, it's a. Yeah, we, uh, we, we might need- friend uh there's just too much to talk about but um yeah no man i listen i appreciate it um i enjoy talking to you i'm happy uh that i met you and uh uh i'm pulling up to get a burrito right now yes where uh, where where don't tell me yeah man um i'm down to do another one if you want to do another one again there's so much more to talk about and you know i think there's i definitely have rad stories and um Yeah, we'll do. An, uh, well, we'll do. It. Yeah, no worries. What we'll do is we'll give this one a little bit of time. We'll get out there, and then uh, we'll catch up in a little bit, and I'll have you back on. I've had Westgate on, Brandon Westgate on like three times, and I got to catch up with him again because he's no longer riding for Zoo and he rides for Element. So I want to catch up on all that as well. So I always have reoccurring guests. So it's rad, man. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time. Where you at? Put your fist up. We gon' twist up. Say, come on, come on. Experience the train of thoughts, hot boards. Come on, experience rocking with the reflex.